Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone from around the world listening on the show from iHeart, all my local peeps here in Vero Beach in the Treasure Coast area listening on the radio dial. And for those of you listening on the podcast, welcome, 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 and thank you so much for uh, continuing to keep us ranking on iTunes and Stitcher and for just loving the show and the work that we're doing. And I want to give a special shout out to my Australia fans for making me three years after my book was published. For the last six months, I've been on the bestseller list. And the other day when I looked at it, I was number eight on the Australia bestseller list for Amazon for women in business. And I also ranked in several other categories. And to my peeps in France, you have me on the bestseller list again. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So grateful for all of my fans around the world for keeping the book out there and sharing with us and me how much learning to ask the right questions has really transformed your lives. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And one extra shout out today to somebody I just met just before the show, Beverly Craft Osler, who wrote Act Two, The Unpredictable Adventures of a Young Widow. So while I was prepping for the show, she happened to be here and we were talking and I just want to welcome her to um, to coming over to Vero's Voice Radio and everything. And, and Beverly, I wish you all the best. I'm so excited. Everybody, she has a book called Act Two, The Unpredictable Adventures of a Young Widow. All right, so today's guest is somebody very different for me, but I laugh because um, my dad used to love to watch wrestling, <laughs> and we have on the show today somebody who's really learned to ask some interesting questions that he's going to share with us today. We have Chris Wally, author of The Masked Saint, Husband, Pastor, Hero, and he is the topic of a recent movie called The Masked Saint, inspired by true events. Chris has been married to his high school sweetheart for 40 years. I just love long marriages and stuff. I think it's so cool. He has two daughters, Allison and Casey. Both girls were high school valedictorians. And he has four grandchildren, five grandchildren, actually. He's graduated from Auburndale High School, Palm Beach Atlantic University, and Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Here's where it gets interesting. He wrestled professionally from 1977 to 1988, and while he was a, um, um, a wrestler, known as a saint, he became a pastor. So he was going to seminary school while he was wrestling professionally with folks like The Undertaker. All right, have you ever heard of Rowdy Roddy Piper? Well, there are stories about that, too. He pastored three churches, Westside. I cannot speak today, Shane. This is quite funny. Westside Baptist Church in Lake Wells, Florida. First Baptist Church of Beverly Hills in Beverly Hills, Florida, and First Baptist Church of Longwood. He currently serves on staff at First Baptist Church of Orlando, but he started out as a professional wrestler. I, I just, Chris, I'm so intrigued by your background, and I know there are some really insane questions you must have been asking yourself to journey the journey that you journeyed. Well, hi, Miss Laura, and yes, it's great to uh, great to be with you, and thank you for having me. And you know the uh, <clears throat> the questions that uh, have have come to me are 
I think questions that I, I still deal with on a daily basis. But uh, when it comes to the wrestling, <clears throat> there were always the questions of, uh, you know, how does the wrestling and the ministry work, uh, which is one that I'm often asked. And I, uh, I have to tell people that uh, actually I think wrestling prepared me for the ministry because you have a lot of battles in the ministry. And so uh, I'm, I'm thankful for everything that I've learned from wrestling that's helped me in the ministry. How did you decide? I mean, what was going through your head? Did you decide as a young child that you wanted to be a wrestler, or was the pastor thought the first thought? No. Um, when, when I was growing up, I was uh, a very sickly child. I was in and out of the hospital, uh, just constantly... Uh, dealing with uh, pneumonia, it seemed like. Uh, in the fourth grade, I had uh, polio and uh, viral encephalitis at the same time. I was actually in the hospital for three months. Uh, I think it took my folks until I was in high school to finally pay that off. Uh, while I was in the hospital, I was uh, you get your days and your nights mixed up. And so late at night when uh, I could not sleep, I had the TV on, and I would watch professional wrestling. And it was um, uh, it was awesome as a kid, you know, watching that. And I just loved it from the time that I was a child until um, I, I was an adult. And so uh, when the opportunity afforded itself for me to, um, you know, take a shot at that, I, I, I took it. For for a young child in the hospital dealing with polio, viral encephalitis, pneumonia, all those things, to become a professional wrestler often is just a dream. You can't really make that come to fruition. What made you think and what did you do that made that dream a reality for you? Um, well, I, I, I was very fortunate to have a, a very wonderful uh, Christian doctor who uh, cared uh, about me greatly, and he refused to let me give up when, when actually there were times when I wanted to give up because I, I had to learn how to walk all over again and some other things. But he uh, he didn't feel sorry for me, and he m- made me start doing uh, physical exercise, and he's the one that got me into the weights and. Uh, all the cardiovascular things that you need to do to, uh, to to prepare for the wrestling, actually, and didn't even know I was doing that. But uh, we had just moved back to uh, Florida from uh, after being at Palm Beach Atlantic University, and my wife was uh, teaching at her alma mater in Plant City, and it was the first time in my life I really didn't have all of my time already predetermined. And so um, I I was reading the paper one day, and, and the Tampa Tribune, to be precise, and I saw this ad that said, wanted professional wrestlers. And so I showed it to my wife, and she rolled her eyes. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to try this out. So I drove over to Tampa, I walked in, and the guy that I saw was uh, the great Malenko, who, who I'd watched uh I had watched him while I was growing up as a child, and it was quite a thrill just to meet him, but to be trained by him was was very, very awesome. And so that that's how it took place. So you had this idea. 
It sounds like he didn't always vocalize it to everybody around that it was going to happen. That moment when you saw that ad in the paper that said wanted professional wrestlers, which, by the way, I I never would have ever thought to look in in a newspaper and see a want ad for somebody to become a professional wrestler. You would think that they'd be just hitting up all of the high school and college wrestling uh, kids and saying, hey, come out here and, and do this. So that was kind of funny. What was the question you asked yourself that said, I I need to do this? Um, well, n- not having the opportunity to uh, play sports as a child um, r- really for, you know, besides uh, college, I-, I really didn't have a lot of challenges in my life. And uh, I saw it as a great challenge, and so I had to ask myself the question: You know, are you are you prepared to do this? Uh, you know, are you really ready to do this? And uh, can you do this? And so um, I answered all of those, and, and then it was all affirmative. I was able to do it. I did it. I enjoyed it. I loved it, and um, I wouldn't change anything. All right, that last question you said: Can I do this? Mm-hmm. I just want to give a, a shout out to my listeners, and there's one of you out there in particular, and you, you know who you are. That question, so many people, Chris, go, well, I don't know, as the answer to that. And then mm-hmm. they don't do anything with it. Can you share with my listeners who are at that spot of, they're asking yourself, can I do this? And they're like, well, I don't know. And, and they're frozen in inaction. Uh-huh. What helped you internally to say, well, yeah, I'm going to try it? Well, I'm also a football fan, too, and I think it was the great Vince Lombardi that talked about the difference between those who 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 do it and those who don't is, uh, you know, the failures are the one who fall down and they don't get up. Uh, I wasn't afraid of failing uh, because I knew that there would be those times, but I also was very, very determined that when I did fall, I, I was going to get up. And, and every time you fall, you usually fall forward, so you're closer to your goal than you were before you fell. Oh, I love and, that. And so I didn't I didn't mind failing. And, and you know, I learned by every failure. And, um, you know, I, I didn't f- let falling down stop me. I just kept going. And uh, I'm so glad that I did. And, and I've tried to encourage other people in their lives that have met that wall that don't don't let the wall stop you you know get back up and keep going keep persevering all right we are about to go into our first commercial break and anybody out there who's got twitter handy facebook whatever we have our first amazing quote from chris wally author of the mass saint husband pastor hero and the movie of the same name when you fall you fall forward and you're closer to your goal So next time, if you're thinking about your last failure, realize you're much closer to your goal than you were before. We'll be right back with the amazing Chris Wally. Before the commercial break, we were talking, Chris, about that moment when you said, can I do it, and how you responded to it. And you talked about Vince Lombardi, who I think is so 
insightful and powerful and transformational for everybody that had an opportunity to meet the man. And I know a number of people who have personally met him and been mentored by him. And you said when you fall, when you fall, you fall forward and you're closer to your goal. So pick yourself up and move closer to your goal. Now, you started wrestling. You responded to this advertisement. And what was that like being a professional wrestler? I mean, we all see it from the outside looking in, right. which I'm sure is very different from the inside looking out. Right. Um, it was it was quite a rush for me to um, to to go the first time and and get on the mat and and practice. I mean, it 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 never got boring. Uh, it was just always um, an awesome experience to know that I'm I'm able to do something that a very small fraction of the people in the world are able to do. So that that was awesome. But when I had my first match, there was nothing that could compare with that. Uh, I had I had nerves, uh, I had butterflies, all of that. But once I got into the ring and the very first. <laughs> slam that I took on the mat, all the nervousness went away and all the butterflies went away. And I just was doing what I'd been trained to do. So it was, you know, having the opportunity to, to get in the ring with some of the, the big names in the business and uh, to wrestle guys that were 300 pounds and six foot eight inches tall. And, you know, I'm, I was 5'10 and weighed 225. So that was just a, an unbelievable experience that, uh, I always miss, you know, at the end of the movie uh, that was made, they have a, a kind of a little tribute to me. One of the last things that they said on that was uh, that uh, Pastor Chris uh, still roots for the underdog. And even though he got out of professional wrestling, he never got it out of his system. So that's, that's with me. I never got it out of my system. Why do you think that is? Why do you do that? Um, I don't ever want to forget, uh, where I came from and to, to grow up, uh, with the childhood that I had, and, uh, you know, they finally uh, were able to determine why I kept getting sick, which was, uh, because of, I had about 200 allergies. And so I took those shots. And then once I took the shots, I started putting on weight and then the doctor got me into the weight room, and, and, and then my body started to change. Um, I, I don't ever want to forget that, you know, I could have made a decision to become an um, invalid. I, I could have. If, if I had just stayed on the sidelines, <clears throat> excuse me, if I had stayed on the sidelines and, and not done what I, I wanted to do, uh, I would have probably been an invalid in a wheelchair. So I, I don't ever want to forget that. So uh, the wrestling always reminds me that God was not through with me. He was able to do some great things, even though a lot of people would have written me off a long time ago. There are a lot of listeners and a lot of non-listeners that allow events to define them. What would you say to them? To help them realize that what's happening does not define them, that they can get beyond that. Yeah. Well, I, I had a great mentor 
uh, who who used to say a couple things to me. One of the things that he said to me was, um, usually our worst fears are never realized. And he also told me that uh, whenever I, I got in a certain state of mind that I needed to write these words down, that if if what I were worrying about were to happen, would it be the end of the world? And, you, you know, I, I always said, as long as I've got my wife and, and my girls and my grandkids, if they took everything in the world away from me, if you took my home, my car, and my employment, and all I had was my wife and my kids and my grandkids, I would still still be a very wealthy man. And any failure that I ever face that tackles me does not define who I am, uh, because I, I, know, I know who I am because God has forgiven me. He's given me a great life, and he's given me a wonderful, wonderful family. And so no matter what happens, I'm very blessed. I'm very wealthy. So at the end of the day, when you're sitting there struggling with overwhelming odds, it seems, at times, and your fears are controlling you, you Mm -hmm. ask yourself, would it be the end of the world if the worst I could imagine happens? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty powerful statement, Chris. Well, you know, 99.9% of the time, uh, it's not going to be the end of the world. <clears throat> I mean, we we tend to look at things um, so defeated, and um, you know, God said, "With all things, all thing, with Him, all things are possible." And I, I just believe that with all my heart. That's on my business card and on my signature line on my email, actually. And <laughs> that's that's a perfect. Thank I'm, you for reminding me of that. Yeah. All right. Now, we've, you've referenced your faith a number of times. We've talked mm-hmm. about the fact that you are a wrestler turned pastor. Mm-hmm. What was it like when you were still professionally wrestling and you were studying to be a pastor? I mean, it seems like the, the two would be a little separate. No, actually, um, I think you're referring to my last three years when I was uh, in seminary and also wrestling. My name w- was on the uh, list with the seminary that when people needed somebody to speak or whatever, um, I-, I got a call every week. I had the opportunity to go and share my faith and what God was doing in my life. I had the opportunity to do that every week. And it was because I was a little bit of an oddity. I happened to be a a professional wrestler who was also going to seminary and working on his Master of Divinity. And so that that was just uh, an awesome thing to to know that not only was I going to be wrestling that week, but I'm going to be standing in front of hundreds, uh, maybe even thousands of people, and sharing the, the good news of what God had done in my life, and that it's possible He can do that in your life too. And there were the, the humorous moments uh, also too that kind of kept things in perspective. Uh, uh, I remember one night uh, wrestling in um, in Dallas, uh, the night that I wrestled the Undertaker, as a matter of fact. Okay, and I'm going to have you wait and tease the audience, and we're okay. going to talk about that when we come back from the news break. I, I, I want to. 
There was one comment that you made that I really want people to think about going into the news break. And for those of you on the podcast, you can just pause as you reflect on this question and thought. So Chris talked about how he was a bit of an oddity in the seminary world because of the professional wrestling. And in the professional wrestling world, he was a little bit of an oddity because he was studying to be a pastor. What about you in your life, listeners, is different and makes you a little bit odd? And then think about what can you do with that to transform the world? Because there are other people out there that are going to be engaged by that. So how can you change the world because you're different? We'll be right back with more from Chris Wally, author of The Mass Saint, um, movie also out there. And he's going to be here in Vero Beach on Thursday night at 8 p.m. for a book signing. So we hope you join us at the Vero Beach Book Center. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. And I am not perfect, everybody. I gave you the wrong time for the Vero Beach Book Center on Thursday night. I am so, so, so sorry. It is 6 p.m. for those of you who want to come to the Vero Beach Book Center here in Vero Beach, Florida. Lovely place. Uh, great, amazing book center. We actually interviewed them on their 40th anniversary last year. And uh, it's 6 p.m. where you can get to meet Chris in person. So, hey, if you're in Florida, come drive over and I will be there. And you get to meet me in person if you're one of those people who has not met me yet in person. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, you were about to tell us this um, funny story, humorous story mm-hmm. you said about the Undertaker and you and wrestling. Right. Well, I, I was not supposed to wrestle him that night. I had another match. And when I, um, this was on a Friday night. And when I wrestled on a Friday, usually my wife and my two little girls, they were very small at that time. They would, they would go to the, uh, arena. And after I wrestled, uh, I would meet them at the car. Uh, they gave me enough time to get a shower and get dressed. And then I would just meet them at the car. On this particular night, when I came back into the dressing room, I was taking my boots off. The promoter came back in and said that uh, the guy who was supposed to work against Mark, uh, Mark Calloway, who's the undertaker, uh, didn't show up. And he said, I need somebody to work against Mark. And I just raised my hand. I said, I'll do it. Absolutely. I mean, this, is, this guy's going to be a big star, and I wanted to. So I had to get a, ref- <clears throat> a referee excuse me, and uh, say, you know, go out, find my, my wife and my girls in the crowd, and tell them that I'm going to work again. And so he went out, he came back, I found them, yep, they know that you're going to work again. So they didn't know who I was working against. So the, the time for the match came, and I, I got into the ring, and I found my wife and my little girls in the crowd. And then the lights came down, and the Undertaker walked into that hideous music. You know, he's six foot eight, 315 pounds, and when my girls saw him, they started crying. Oh, no. And, yeah. And I looked at my wife, and her eyes were her eyes were just so huge as she looked at the guy. And then all of a sudden, she reached forward and grabbed her purse and started frantically going through the purse. Well, he got into the ring. The match started. We went about 20 minutes. I survived the match. We're on our way back to Fort Worth, and I look in the rearview mirror. Both my little girls are sound asleep in the back seat, and my wife and I were chatting. And then I said, hey, honey, you're right Right before the match started, I noticed you grabbed your purse and you were frantically going through it. What was up with that? 
And she thought for a moment, and then she said, oh, when I looked at the size of the guy, she said, I wanted to find a checkbook to make sure you'd paid the insurance. (laughs) Uh, Always right to the practical. Right. She's very practical, and uh, even though she's she's a fan, she's also very uh, practical and knows what, you know, did happen to me several times, you know, some of the injuries I sustained. Well, I, I think that's something that we often forget in pursuit of our dreams, that it's a balance of the practical and the faith. Right. So you have to look at both sides. If you don't, bad things can happen if you're not aware of the two. Right. So that that was a great reminder, a great way of making us think about that. Now, Chris, you wrote The Mask Saint and then had the movie come out. And the book is inspired by true events. It's not 100% your story, but it's about you and using some of your experiences. What made you decide to write this book and to do it in a way that was fiction versus your life story? Which, by the way, sounds really incredible, and I think you should write a full memoir. Yeah. Well, each chapter of the book... Um, is inspired by something that actually happened to me. Now, is there fiction in that? Absolutely. But overall, the stories were, were true. They actually happened to me. And um, after going through all of the things that I had gone through, um, I I was asking the question, why, why don't they put anything decent on TV anymore? You know, ever since Michael Landon died, uh, they don't have anything that has a good moral quality on it. I, I didn't allow my kids to watch certain shows because they always depict the father as an idiot and the, the mom is promiscuous and the children is rebellious. Um, you know, they don't have a normal family on there. So I thought these stories would make a good TV series. And so that's why I actually wrote it, was hoping that it could be made into a, a TV series and it ended up being made into uh, into a movie. But um, each each one of those chapters, I guarantee you that there was a lot of truth in each one of them. Okay, so tell me about one of them. One of them that really stands out for you. Well, the the first one is the one that uh, stood out uh, to me. Um, when I went to my my first church, I had a young lady who would walk into the church. She would be the last person to walk in, and then she would be the first person to leave. She had a couple of kids, and she would drop them off, and then she would come into the service. And I never got to know her, didn't know her name, or didn't know anything about her. And I was really hoping that that time would come when I would get to meet her. Well, one Sunday she came into the service wearing sunglasses. I thought that was a little weird, but uh, after the service, I always stood at the front of the door, uh, front of the church, and I would shake hands with people as they're leaving. And on that particular day, she was the last one to leave. And when she came up, she grabbed my hand with both of her hands. She had her head down, and I could see tears coming out from underneath her sunglasses. So I reached over and I lifted her sunglasses up, and she had two black eyes. And it it infuriated me. There's one thing I cannot stand because I dealt with them enough as a child, and and that is bullies. Bullies only pick on people that they know they can defeat. 
And I thought, it really takes an absolute dirtbag to hit a woman. And I just, you know, I mean, not every woman is Ronda Rousey, okay? And, and I just believe in treating women with the utmost of respect. That's the way I was raised. And, and so. And hold on one second. For anybody who does not know, she is a female MMA or wrestler? Right. Okay. Right. Well, um, I had to ask myself a question. Um, are you going to just sit on the sidelines? Or are you going to do something about this? And there are some people who do not do well with talking. They only know one thing, and usually they're bullies. And so I told her, I said, I'm going to go see your husband. And she frantically said, no, 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 don't do that. He might hurt you. And I said, you know what? I would actually look forward to that. So I went to their house. I asked the guy to come outside, and I said, you know, um, I just came over to see how you could do against somebody who could fight back. And I dealt with that bully in a different way than most pastors would deal with. Uh, but I, I wouldn't change anything. Um, I, I would do it again tomorrow if the same thing happened because uh, that was the only thing he could understand. So if that was kind of the thing that started the whole Mass Saint uh, episodes because it seemed like each the, – the Lord just placed me into different situations where there were people – who were being picked on or people who were being abused. And I got up off the sideline and, you know, I asked myself the question, are you going to, are you going to do something? Or are you just going to sit and preach about it? And uh, I chose to put action to it. It sounds like all your life you had actually been preparing for that moment though. I, you know, you're very perceptive because I, I have said that to myself that, I think everything that I've done, I was prepared for this moment in time uh, to deal with this issue the way I did. Um, but it also inspired me. It, it inspired me that um, there's so much. Uh, the, the, the movie, I think two things that people can take away from the movie. One of them is uh, the fact that the church has sat on the sidelines too often. And we witnessed abuse. We witnessed uh, people being mistreated. And we just chose to sit on the sideline and let it happen and preach against it. Um, so I think people will be inspired to get up off the sideline, not to go beat people up, no, but to get up off the sidelines and to say, you know, there's some things that I can do to help this, and I'm not going to sit by and let it happen without trying. And I think the other thing that they get from the movie is the fact that we, we serve a God of a second chance. There's nobody in the church that is perfect, and that certainly includes me. I have so many flaws. If you don't believe me, we could sit down with my wife. She could tell you every one of them. <laughs> but I have a lot of flaws. And the great thing about churches is, is that we are all sinners uh, saved by grace. And so there are people that are out there that are dying on the vine thinking, you know, I've got to be perfect to be a Christian. I've got to be perfect to do this. And you don't, you know. Um, I serve the God of a second chance because he has given me so many of them. And, and I hope anybody listening who has uh, been dealing with that would uh, get back up because the God of a second chance is ready to forgive them. All right. Now, Chris, I, I had goosebumps when you were talking about what I raised, which was like you'd been preparing your whole life for something. What do you say to somebody who doesn't see what they actually, who they actually are, 
based on what's been happening in their life and what they've been training to do, how do you counsel somebody like that to step into who they are? Well, I I think the same way uh, that it was done for me. I mean, I was uh, I was involved in church and I was doing everything I could uh, as a layperson. And I had the opportunity to speak one time, and an older gentleman came up to me and said, "You know, don't don't be surprised if the Lord doesn't call you into the ministry." Uh, that was a great great message that you brought, and and I had that happen to me uh, so many times of people coming up and just confirming the fact that God was calling me into the ministry. So I might have that opportunity with people who feel the same way that I did to say that I recognize things in you that maybe you don't even recognize in your own self. And God put me here at this moment in time to give you the encouragement to follow through with what you, what you know in your heart you need to be doing. All right. Well, with that thought, we're going to go into the commercial break and I am encouraging you, my listeners, as you know, before we go into commercial breaks, I always try to get you thinking Look at the people who are around you. Are they keeping you small or are they encouraging you to be big? Are they letting you see who you truly are or are they making bigger the you that you know is not truly you? We'll be right back after the commercial break with more from It's All About the Questions. And remember, the right questions truly can change your life. What are you asking yourself right now, this moment? Chris, so why a book in a movie. You talked about you thought that these stories would be a great TV show to build some really good stuff that can be seen on, on TV. Because I agree with you. There's so much that is horrible stuff on TV. There's not a lot of uplifting. I try to find them as much as possible. But still, to write a book and put these events down on paper, that's not something a lot of people are willing to do because it exposes you to the world. Right. Well, I had some great encouragement. Um, my, you know, my, I've been married to my wife for 40 years, and she's my greatest uh, encourager, but she's also sometimes my greatest critic. And um, I had expressed to her uh, what was inside of me. I actually, I, I never saw myself as an author. I, I tried to get several other people to write it. Uh, I was going to tell them the stories, and they could put it down in, in the words that you know, a writer would do, and, and it never worked out. And then one Saturday, uh, sitting at my computer, I just started typing, and I kept working and kept working, and, and uh, my wife came upstairs, and I said, look at this, tell me what you think. And she she read it, and she had to smile from ear to ear, and she said, you know, if you don't keep going, I'm going to kick your butt. That was great. And so that was all the encouragement that, that I needed. And um, I think, you know, that you probably got a lot of folks out there that are asking the question, why, why am I not doing some of these things that I know that I need to be doing in my heart? And I hope that that encourages you to, to do it because uh, you never know what's going to come out of what, what's in your heart. You never know. Uh, I would have never in my wildest dreams ever uh, thought that my book would be made into a movie. Uh, but it was, and I'm, I'm thankful for the encouragers in my life and thankful for, uh, you know, getting back up when I failed. We hear stories all the time about books that become movies and the horror stories involved. 
What was it like for you and for, I have a lot of listeners who are authors and uh-huh. they aspire to have their books made into movies. Uh-huh. What's a, a lesson or um, just a tip to give those people out there that are want that to happen for themselves? You know, I was so very, very fortunate. Um, my sister worked at a high school over in the Orlando area, and there was a big-time movie producer whose kids went to that school, and my sister had become friends with his wife. And so when my ver- book was first published, my sister gave a copy of that book to this producer's wife. She read it, and she in turn gave it to her husband. And her husband called me and had me come down. And, uh, you know, he probably had a thousand scripts in his office that he had never read. But here he had this no-name person come in and sit down because he was intrigued by the story. So you have to fight and scratch and claw and do everything you can to get it into the hands of the right people. And, and you don't give up. You know, when I, when I first published the book, excuse me, when I first published the book, uh, I, I was turned down so many times, so many times, and I, I didn't give up. I kept, you know, going back, kept going back, and now to be with the greatest publisher in the world, Morgan James, is awesome. Uh, but um, he, a lot of it is just being fortunate, uh, but they have to have something to be fortunate with, and that's what you've got. And just just keep, keep pushing and keep looking for the right people to give it to that's that's perfect. And yes, a total shout out to Morgan James, the best publisher in the world. We are fortunate to share the same publisher. So They are awesome. All right. So, Chris, a number of people have shouted out to me that they would like to know how to get in touch with you and how to get your book other than on Thursday at the Vero Beach Book Center at 6 p.m. this week. Okay. Um, I, I love hearing from people. You do not bore me. And I, I promise that I will answer you as soon as I possibly can. It might take, you know, a day or two, but I always answer my emails. And my email address is simply themassaint59 at gmail.com. Now, mask is M-A-S-K-E-D. So themassaint59 at gmail.com. If you would like to email me a question or uh, just wanted to, to give a shout out. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, my website uh, is uh, themassaint.com. That's easy to find. If you want the book uh, and you're not able to be there on Thursday, uh, it is in Barnes and Noble and various other bookstores. Uh, so you might ask them. Uh, and if you can't uh, find a bookstore that it is being sold in, then uh, go to Amazon. You can get it on Amazon or uh, you can do a Kindle, whatever you want to do, you can get it. And if you get the paperback, you get a free ebook. Right, absolutely. So you kind of get two in one. Absolutely. All right, and um, for everybody, the email, it's the Mass Saint and then the number five and the number nine. So it's the Mass Saint 59 at gmail.com and it's the mass saint.com. Now your movie was around quite a bit in the U S it is now uh, available. It's on live in Canada on movie screens in Canada. It's going to be coming in the United States to pay-per-view Netflix and then DVD. Right. Okay. And 
Also, uh, it's going to be released in, uh, I think, about three or four other countries that uh, are big into wrestling. I think it's going to be in the U.K. and uh, Mexico and Brazil that I know of. Okay. So that'll be, that'll be pretty awesome. Last thought in the last minute or so we have the show. One last thought you'd like to leave my listeners with. I think that, uh, you know, the, the greatest uh, thing that ever happened to me, of course, was when I, I met the Lord. But the the difference was, is before that, I, I did not have purpose for my life. I didn't have a direction for my life. And I was so thankful that the young lady that I was in love with invited me, and I heard you know, the message of the gospel, and my life changed. And I, I, I found that purpose, and I found that direction for my life. And if there's somebody that is looking for purpose and direction in your life, um, the perfect person to ask is God, because he's the one that wrote the book on how life is to function. And um, he promised he would never leave us and never forsake us. So find that purpose, find that direction in your life and fulfill it. Thank you. That is wonderful. Thank you, Chris Wally, um, author of The Mass Saint, Husband, Pastor, Hero, and the movie that has recently come out about this story and all that you you're doing and that you shared with my listeners today. I'm grateful. Oh, Miss Laura, you are just one of the most awesome people. And I am so honored that you would want me on your show. And I thank you so much. And I look forward to meeting some great people on Thursday night. It'll be a lot of fun. And I'm going to be there too. all those listeners out there. And um, if you're want to come over and say hi to me i will be there and i'm going to take some photos for chris since uh, i think every author needs to have photos taken of them at their book signing so that's kind of fun for me to do that oh that's sweet thank you so much oh you are most welcome and to all my listeners out there what i want you to take from today's show one of the things the big aha for me was the whole failing thing you know when you fall you fall forward closer to your goal and i always get up and, and keep going, but sometimes it seems to take a little bit longer. And also, would it be the end of the world if your worst fears were realized? Why don't you sit down, write down everything that's happened in your life, and think about what good came from it and what you can do to help other people because of how you fell down, how you fell, or what didn't go right in your life and the amazing things that happened because of it. I encourage you to get out there and start asking the right questions. If you need some help, we're about to start some masterminds. So we're calling it the Questioning Mastery Mastermind. If you're interested, reach out to me at itsallaboutthequestions.com and let's get a conversation going. The right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone.